0: and welcome back to the Everyone's A Football Critic podcast with me, Zach Palmer. And back from the dead, we have Cal Distin. How are you doing, mate? I'm not bad. I'm feeling a lot better uh, and looking forward to reviewing a lovely week of football. Yeah, nothing like a football chat to get you back in good spirits. Uh, yeah, so let's get straight into it then. So England 6,
1: Iran 2.
0: That was alright, wasn't it?
1: It was. It was very, very good. Really, really positive. Um, we we looked dominant. Um, there were a as we'll discuss a little later, there are a couple of shaky moments, but overall, very, very good performance, and particularly encouraging given a lot of the sort of bigger, in inverted commas, nations um, have struggled. Um, you, Argentina lost, Belgium snuck a win after kind of not really deserving it, Germany lost, um, France, even France, they won in the end and quite dominantly, but had a bit of a shaky moment. It's kind of, it's only really us, Spain and Brazil who've done it comfortably.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of talk about, oh, it's only Iran, so don't get too excited. But, you know, you've got to be what's in front of you. And Iran, you know, really historically aren't that bad. So Mm. I I do think that we made them look a lot worse than they really are. Um, So, yeah, the first thing that I sort of noticed watching the game was just this sort of structural shift. I think we started as we sort of expected Southgate to start if he was going to go with the four, which was in a sort of 4-2-3-1 formation with then one of the holding midfielders dropping in and build up to make a sort of 3-3-1-3. And that was quite often Bellingham rather than Rice, which I think is interesting. I think we'll speak a little bit about both of those two later on, so I won't get too bogged down in it here. But after about 20 minutes, we sort of shifted to the 4-3-3, which is something we haven't really seen Southgate do too much, which I thought was quite interesting. But it it kind of helped us, I think, counteract Iran's 4-5-1 Four five one block, because with, with the with the four three three, it ended up that we had it um t- the two wide eights getting into the half spaces, and we were able to play those um, line breaking passes, and that kind of meant that Iran's pressing structure, where they they were in that four five one block, and then players within those two lines were willing to sort of jump out at certain triggers, and because it was mostly the one up top, we didn't need the the sort of three in build up, so we were able to go to the two push Bellingham and. Mount into the right and left half spaces respectively, and then hit those line-breaking passes. Um, so it was really, really encouraging. I thought to see um, uh, Bellingham Mount finding those spaces, which meant that we were able to progress the ball just a little bit quicker. We still there were still elements of that sort of slow build-up that we used to see with Southgate, but I thought that we were far more effective at kind of switching on in moments and playing a lot quicker. And those line-breaking passes were really where it was at. And I think that the four-three-three structure really helped us be able to do that. I think we had um, thirty-four. Uh, progressive passes received in comparison to Iran's nine, so I think that just goes to show kind of how dominant we were in that sort of element of the pitch. And I thought that was a really nice switch just to be able to get us progressing the ball a little bit quicker.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I don't know. It just, it just feels like it works a little better having Mount there at the base of it all, um, and not quite sweeping up because they didn't have the ball that much, but just get it right. getting it started. Um, yeah, I don't know, thank you. But thanks for that, I meant Rice. Um, I was thinking, oh, of... <laughs> I missed something
0: here.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, the defensive midfielder, Mason Mount, I uh, do no. So Declan <laughs> Rice, right at the base of it all. Um, not really sweeping up, but everything started from him, everything mm. came from him. Well, like, every move came from him. Um, he, he, yeah, played it out to Bellingham and Mount, who, Mount, I think, a little... I saw him getting a little bit of stick. Because we had lots of goals and he wasn't involved, but he like he was, he was there and he mm. was really important to how we play. I don't think actually, I like, I was calling for Madison to start. I don't think Madison does that specific role um, as well as Mount does. I don't really see a better option in the squad for that role. Um, and yeah, Bellingham was just <laughs> incredible. Was he's nineteen? Is I, I don't know. I don't I don't really have the words. He's just scoring at that age with a really really good header. Actually. Um, and just every, everything he did seemed really, really good and positive. And he wasn't always wasn't always necessarily spray a ball forward, um, but it, it was really intelligent for a player his age. I, I know he has a lot of experience and plays at, um, Borussia Dortmund, whatever. But uh, for a player his age, it is really impressive how intelligent a footballer he is.
0: No, absolutely. I think the um, the variety to his game is what really excites me you know, we've spoken about it before, but that sort of true box-to-box nature just being something that we haven't really had. It was really nice seeing him comfortable receiving the ball in attacking areas. It was really nice to see him carrying the ball as he did. I think it was for Sterling's goal where he carried the ball sort of inside, tried to, almost drew a foul and then flicked it off to Kane, who then crossed it into yeah. Sterling. That was really, really nice. And then obviously, as you say, that added goal threat as well, being able to arrive late in the box. Something that's some, somewhat underrated. He's not sort of a massive header of the ball as far as I understand but he's actually quite a tall guy so there is there there is something that's quite quite useful there um if we can take advantage of it so so yeah I was a little uh, it's funny because early on in the game I was actually I was a little bit concerned about him He, he received the ball a couple of times on the edge of our penalty box and just looked a little bit naive like kind of try and turn out of areas where he probably shouldn't and almost got caught a couple of times but he massively grew into the game and you know was far and away I think our best player on the day so that was really great to see and I think, you know, self-professed massive fan of uh, Calvin Phillips and personally wasn't that um, as down on the the uh, Rice-Phillips pivot as some other people were in the Euros last time. But it's so clear that having someone as dynamic as Bellingham in the team alongside, you know, it's Rice at the moment. I think it could be Phillips, but I think Rice is probably the better player. Is giving us so much more in every dimension. He's able to, to play in deeper areas and more attacking areas, so... It's incredible and yeah, his ages it's ridiculous what he's
1: doing yeah, at that age. Yeah, I think as as well, you just when you're mentioning Rice, I'm gonna bring him up because I think he is I think he's a player that goes so unnoticed. I think um I see on Twitter a lot of the time West Ham fans getting kind of ridiculed for rating him as highly as they do, um, which I think is just ridiculous. I think he is an absolutely incredible player. Um and I, I thought he was good at the last World Cup. Uh, the the Euro, sorry um but the how far he's come as a player in 2 years since then is it, crazy to me he he carries it he looks really really confident um his passing he made he completed 40 out of 40 short passes 36 out of 38 medium and 13 out of 15 long passes um so like misplaced four in the whole game and and it wasn't like he was just and i, I think passing it side to side is a lazy term anyway but I, I, he wasn't just doing that he was actually playing some really really progressive creative balls um making stuff happen he was carrying it really well he carries it really really confidently um which is i don't know not something you expect from a player of his style and position you kind of you think more of a yeah clear it up pass it out but he, he does he's really really good at carrying uh carrying it progressively um and yeah, I just I think he goes a little bit under the radar. I think I think defensive midfielders often do, but I think he really, really does. For me, he was one of, if not the standout player of the day. Um, yeah, I really, really rate Mason Mount. And uh, Declan Rice, I've done it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really, really want to see uh, Mason Mount playing in a deeper position, don't you? <laughs> you've seen something no one else has seen. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like Declan Rice. I think he was really good. As you say, this is the sort of position that I think consistently you're going to see players underrated in. Um I (laughs) yes Lee Katermolt is another example Um, but I think yeah with Rice is an interesting one because I still a game like the Iran game I don't think you necessarily see what he's best at defensively speaking I think there is something somewhat telling about the fact that initially and this was actually true in the Euros at times as well with Phillips that Rice isn't always the one that drops into the back three and build-up that you know Bellingham was the one that was doing that over on the right-hand side predominantly maybe that was coincidence that we were building up down that side more but I do think that there is some slight concerns on maybe what Rice's um, ability in build-up is maybe um, but I think he's you know he's, he's largely pretty good I don't think there's any any massive concerns there um, but yeah sometimes I just want to see a player like him as our deepest midfield player, sometimes just dictate the tempo of the game a little bit more. I think sometimes he isn't the sort of player that just can get his foot on the ball and slow things down or speed things up. He isn't necessarily the one that starts that action. It's usually him passing to Mount or Bellingham that then triggered something happening there. And that's fine, he can facilitate that, but I'd quite like to see, because I think he's got the range to be able to, to be more creative in those deeper positions. So sometimes I'd like him to take the initiative a little bit but I you know that's me being a bit picky because I do think that in terms of what his actual role was he did it excellently well against Iran and it's tough for I think all of your defensive midfielders to kind of well for your deepest defensive midfielder to stand out particularly in a game in which your team is so dominant in that way he was largely just recycling possession and letting other players uh, get on the ball so yeah really good and I I really like the balance of that midfield as you say I think you know with mount as well i think for whatever concerns you might have about some of his on the ball stuff not being as flashy as it maybe could be you know i think he just you know he he's the one that receives the pass from maguire which then starts the move which goes out to shore and then crosses to bellingham for that first goal so important to have that balance to allow someone then like bellingham i think to thrive so yeah uh, that was pretty good the other thing to talk about in uh, regards to this England performance, which you had sort of mentioned off air to me actually, was you had some concerns about defensive positioning. Um, so I was just wondering if you wanted to just sort of briefly have a little chat about what it was that you were seeing that was sort of concerning you for future games.
1: Yeah. So um, my, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the right hand side, which I didn't think. Uh, I thought I thought Stones was excellent. Um, didn't really do a lot wrong. Um, I think it was him who gave away the penalty was it him pulling the shirt which that that's I, either way whoever it is for me it's one of those that it it is a penalty but it's the inconsistency that frustrates me about that where it was it, really
0: soft it was really really it, soft like
1: if, if you if you want to cut out all shirt pulling in the box give every single penalty for that i'm all for that um i'm going to go on to talk about a bit of refereeing stuff later on but that 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 for me whatever not that important whoever whoever it was i i don't really I, I'm not, that, I'm not that pressed. It's kind of standard. You expect that from any defender. Um, Trippier, I thought, defensively, superb. Um, really, really good. Passing was really not impressed. Um, was really a little concerned about some of the balls he was playing forward and some of the positions in which he lost possession. <clears throat> but defensively, no qualms there. The left-hand side, um, ironically, the two players who play for the same club, I thought, were really unaware of who is meant to be pressing a man and who is meant to be tracking a runner there were a couple of times um where where they were just there was a man free there was a spare man in the middle there was one point i can't remember i think they skied it um i don't remember a save where they were we were running they were iran were running down the left wing crossed it in and there was just a guy stood maybe somewhere between the corner of the six yard box and the edge of the box totally unmarked because shore had kind of come across the man in front of him and mcguire had been dragged out of position. And he was just there totally free. Just before they scored their first goal. Um, there was another point where they were attacking down our right, and there were two players, and there was there was one with the ball right by the byline, and there was one just on like just like a little further back, kinda corner of the box. Um, and Shaw's on the man on the byline. And in fact, this wasn't Maguire at this point, to be fair to him. It was uh Dyer. It was the left hand side, it must have been yeah, yeah, it was, it was dire. Comes across. Um and he he doubles up on the man who's attacking, and they pass it back to the player, and he he crossed it in, it gets blocked out, they have a corner. I think that was, in fact, no, I think that was the corner from which they got the penalty. Um, and it was just, there were just a couple of moments where I was like, actually, uh, I don't know, a better team punishes us there. When you leave players with that much space and that much time, I think a better side punishes us, punishes, punishes us punishes us. That's a really hard phrase to say (laughs) uh, in that situation. Um, Yeah, I was, and and it was alright. We like it's fine. We won. We scored six goals. If you score six goals, generally you're winning. Mm. Um, But it was just a little little cause for concern that I hope I I I don't doubt Southgate will have picked up on it. Something that will be addressed. But just a little little bit of communication in that. I wouldn't go as far as to say amateurish, but it's kind of his basics of who goes to the man and who track like who presses and who tracks the runner
0: yeah so I agree 100% Reid Dyer um, because I think that he always looks so uncomfortable in a back four anyway to be honest I think he looks pretty uncomfortable in a back three I think he looks pretty uncomfortable on the football pitch largely but uh, particularly in a back four particularly on the left hand side I just don't think that that is going to work also obviously coming into a game getting up to speed also just generally I think when you're not Challenge that much I think it's easy to have lapses of concentration that's not an excuse per se but I think that when you're so dominant and then they have sort of one breakaway chance it's quite easy I think to lose concentration but I think yeah I think we probably and we did sort of off air as well disagree a little bit about this I sort of thought that we were largely pretty much fine defensively you know in terms of the two goals I'm not particularly worried about obviously one being a penalty that's you know that probably wasn't a penalty and if it was, we should have had a penalty at the other end. It's As you say, it's not really a big concern at all. The first, the first goal, Maguire obviously lets his man run off him, but then Stones wasn't marking anyone and probably should have come round on the cover. And then also, Rice probably should have dealt better with the passer on the edge of the box anyway who's played the ball through his legs. So, you know, and also I think that largely our shape in that moment was fine, it's just that the run has gone off Maguire, Stones hasn't covered and Rice has let the, the pass kind of go, thread, well not let it but the pass has been threaded through his legs which I think is, it's not going to happen every time I don't know whether the lad is meant to do that but also also you are dealing with um, Tarimi who is a really good player I think it was really good movement as well um, and I think there was always a chance that he could hurt us you know ultimately the FIFA rankings are pretty much rubbish but Iran isn't in the top 20 for absolutely no reason at all. They, I, I feel like they were always going to have a couple of moments where they could hurt us. And they, in my opinion, took their chance in the one moment that they had. Um, and so I'm not going to be too discouraged about that. And I think looking at the defenders that we have, they provide so much on the ball that you can almost forgive that slight lapse in concentration in that moment. So I thought Maguire was really, really good on the ball. And I thought he actually made some, you know, Pretty key defensive interventions as well that were were crucial and allowed us to kind of step up a little bit quicker. So I'm kind of okay having that trade off. I thought Dyer was poor, but I thought Maguire was largely okay. And I think that if that was a mistake, then I think other people made a mistake as well. So I'm not massively concerned about him specifically. There might be a concern in that left channel, but I think we've kind of accepted that that's probably going to be the case anyway. I would be tempted to maybe switch stones over onto that side if you're going to play sure on that side maybe you switch them round i would probably play white as well then at right center back but that's a different discussion um but yeah i thought i thought maguire was fine also he was maybe ill or concussed or something i don't he obviously went off straight after the goal and i don't know exactly what was up with him then but you know maybe maybe that mitigates whatever the the lapse was but yeah overall not massively concerned about defensively I think that there's a fair comment there about the that sort of left channel but I think there was a lot of really good stuff defensively as well And I think that largely we we managed to stay pretty disciplined so I'm not I'm I'm not too concerned
1: yeah no I agree I think to be fair no I I, like it's ironic I don't really I agree about everything you said about the goal it was more there were a couple of there were just a couple of chances that we conceded Mm. or or I don't know pre-chances things that yeah, turned into chances, which would have done with a better team rather than, mm. yeah and yeah, like you say, Maguire was actually pretty good throughout. Dyer, it's, it's a real concern to me that he is the 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 next choice centre back. I mm. I'm hoping that was just kind of oh we'll get you some game time. You you can have a little run around because we've won it because, Ben mm. mights on the bench.
0: Uh, It's crazy. I can't believe he came on first. I I think that's crazy. But I think also what you're saying about this um, left channel concern is exactly why we end up playing with a three at the back. I I, I think that we, well, Southgate appreciates that we are a bit weak at centre back and that just having an extra body there is necessary. So we will probably end up seeing that against a better side. And so maybe those chances don't. Don't happen anyway, just because we're in a slightly different structure. Um, But anyway, then I think defence covered. I think there's probably some comments to be made about the attack as well. Do you have any concerns at all about our chance creation? We obviously scored six, but that was from an XG of 2.1. For comparison, Spain scored seven from an XG of 3.5, which would indicate they created slightly more, although they did have a penalty, which accounts for some of that difference. Now, there's all the usual caveats about single game XG and sample size, etc., uh but do you think that we're going to need to create more clear cut chances against the states and wales and you know hopefully beyond uh to 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 get results
1: i think i th- i was pretty happy with how we were defensively kane for example had the fewest touches of any starting player um only wilson had fewer in the whole game um but he's the f- uh he but he's had the fewest touches by a player with multiple assists in in yeah. any world cup game since data has started being collected um I, he he did that. He, the, the The assist for Sterling's goal was great. Um, mm. I think when Iran kind of gave us a bit of time on the ball, they didn't press as aggressively as someone like the US might. I I I thought that the Saka goal, where he kind of dribbled in, was really good. But mm. he doesn't get as much time or yeah. as much space. Same with the Rashford goal. I think that I kind of that that does count towards the XG being lower. Because you're shooting from that position rather than passing it to a player who's potentially in a better position, um, yeah. you maybe need a different, different type, a little bit of different decision making. But I don't think you can just yeah, like like you say, sing single game. Um, I don't think you can write it write to write them off creatively just because mm. it was kind of it was a slightly different game to what it's going to be like. And okay, if they come up against America and they're getting pressed and they make those decisions and they're getting tackled, that's an issue. But Actually, if you pass it off in that situation rather than shooting, that I, I, it's not a concern of mine really.
0: Yeah, fair. Um, so on that note, then, any changes against the states, or do we go and
1: do the same? I would keep it the same. I don't think they are significantly better. They're, as in, I, they're better, but I don't think they're. It's not like we're playing a Brazil or a or a France or someone. I I don't I don't see the need to switch to a back three just yet. Um, it will be quite nice. To win and then to not really have to worry about the Wales game, um, because they're one of those teams that are always just extra up for it against us in a way mm. that I don't think we are against them. Um which which rightly or wrongly, kind of there's a bit of a rivalry there from, from more so from their side, so they care a lot more about the games against England. I would prefer to have it kind of pretty much wrapped up by then. Mm. Um I would I would keep the team the same, to be honest. Um, I, I would potentially make different changes during the game, but no, I've got no no qualms with the lineup. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'd I'd keep the personnel exactly the same. Um, I think that we'll probably end up seeing the more of the um, the two deeper midfield players because I think we're going to have to build up a little bit more. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit in when we talk about some of the other games, but I think the US are set up in a way that means we won't be able to easily play through midfield so I think we're probably going to need to to build up a little bit slower and try and draw them out into the press a little bit more I also think there'll be space for maybe some of the some centre-back carries so I think hopefully Maguire is okay because I think that that's really where he excels actually in terms of ball carrying out from deep so that could be really useful to try and draw a man and then pop it off wide or, or to another midfield player so I think there's going to be big asks from those midfield players to make sure that they're they're constantly able to receive the ball in tight spaces and from the centre-backs to be able to carry the ball out. But yeah, personnel-wise, yeah, keep it the same. And I agree with you. I think there's definitely some room for for some different substitutes. But otherwise, yeah, pretty pretty much go again. And I think we, sh- we should have enough to, to beat the US, particularly based on their second-half performance against Wales, which I thought was a massive drop-off and really poor. Yeah. Right then, I think that probably covers England. So let's move on to the uh, the other plethora of games that have taken place over the uh, the last week then. Has anything in particular caught your eye?
1: Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of things. I'll start, start with some I don't know, structural and like not more away from the football side. Um, there have been a lot of nil-nils. Disappointing, I think, that probably con- it's contributed by the fact that players are tired because they've been playing league football a week ago um which is just like morals aside it's a totally separate point to should we should we have the world cup in the middle of the season i mean for Mm -hmm. me it's absolutely not um i think again there's been a lack of quality in some games the decision to expand the world cup to 48 teams is ridiculous it's gonna have more of this kind of it's just unnecessary
0: um, really mental they're, what they're gonna do they're gonna do five games a day i mean four has already been intense it, i mean or yeah. they're just gonna make it two months long I, I don't understand it
1: and it's groups of three as well two teams in groups of three go through Like well, what's the point of a group stage at uh, that's yeah, probably... ridiculous yeah anyway but uh, and the, the main thing that i wanted to talk about was added time mm. there has um finally i would argue been the sufficient amount of added time added on in each game and i've seen some people getting frustrated with it but i think this is one of and i'm going to list a couple of other examples one of the things that often gets complained about in football and there's a very very easy fix and this is the easy fix there's if this gets brought into league games and we carry on with this Give it a couple of months and players stop the like. It's called gamesmanship, but it. I mean, it's crap. It, it's, no, it's, it's, tight, it's 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 exactly taking taking ages to take a goal kick. Um, to like messing around with like who's taking your throw in, switching your corner takers, all that sort of stuff. Even and I don't think this has contributed into added time, but I'd be well up for it. Well, I wouldn't be well up for it. I'd be well up for um, referees actually enforcing the six-second rule on goalkeepers. Mm. As as a fan who's held a season ticket in. For a League One club for the past four years, my my friends and I have got that into the habit of counting how long the goalkeepers <laughs> against us at home hold the ball for, and it, it's not uncommon for it to be over twenty seconds. Hmm. And it, it's things like that. It, it is it's cheating, um and it's going to be a painful few months of extra long added time. But actually, it's going to get cut out. It, it will stop because players are going to realise, well, what's the point? Like we're just going to be here for half an hour longer every day. Why not just stop it and play the game now? If it's being correctly enforced, it's the same. It, I see it as similar to, like people often complain about the abuse that referees get from footballers. That this isn't. I know that they've been like this thing, like they've been told to enforce it, but there's no rule change. The mm. rules, for example, are there. If you tell a referee to fuck off, you, the referee is well within his right to send you off. Mm. They won't because. You, you'll get a load of backlash but actually if every referee was briefed and said no if you get sworn at you send the player off mm. they they stop getting sworn at within again within a couple of months because no, you realize no. you you have you have games where player teams would get three four five players sent off and that sort of thing the, the rules are there to protect the referees the rules are there to remove these things you don't need a rule change you just need to tell collectively tell the referees to enforce the rules that are there and actually improve the quality of the game overall for me
0: Yeah, no, I agree. This is something that's always really frustrating me. Obviously from a time-wasting point of view, but also just from really boring games of football. I think last season, the average uh, in-play time was like 55 minutes or something in the Premier League. So I'm glad we're taking some sort of steps to counteracting that. I think if this does carry on, there'll be an interesting conversation to have about whether 90 minutes is then too long as a football game because obviously football players are now used to basically playing an hour of actual football during a game. So whether you maybe shift to something where you say it's a 60 minute game with a stop clock um, and you know, you stop the ball every single time it goes out of play. Cause I cut. which was the game that had 15 minutes added on um, early on in the tournament?
1: Uh, we, it was, was the England game, wasn't it? That after was the, the concussion, because yeah. there was a concussion, oh, okay, which went down
0: yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, yeah, no, I think it was the England game, and apparently, I thought I saw something that in that first half, the ball was still only in play for thirty-three minutes of it. So it's not as though it's completely eradicated, and we're playing ninety minutes of football. But I do think that this is probably a happy middle ground where you're not suddenly asking players to play actually ninety minutes of intense football, but you are put you know actually punishing teams for for um time wasting in in the sense that there's nothing more demoralizing than if you've been wasting time all game long and then the the board goes up and you've got 15 minutes left to play because your tactic has been absolutely ruined so i i think it's largely good i'm glad to see it i think there's probably some kind of refining needed on the process of exactly how we carry this forward but yeah um I think it's good and I think already we're seeing less and less added time as the tournament progresses because teams are just realising they can't get away with doing anything so you know the time will actually be added on so oh uh, yeah I think and good to see
1: I think I think it's important as well there are natural stoppages in a game when the ball goes mm. out of play actually that happens that's fine when, you, when the ball goes out of play you need to take you, you get as a goalkeeper you get to put mm. it back where you want it to take it what isn't okay is where you, you change your mind and you mess around and you take Take your time. is kind of there's a there's a big difference between a natural stoppage in the game, which is absolutely acceptable. It happens, and what what teams do, especially, it especially kind of a team where you're not the favourite, it's very natural to just constantly time waste, and it's so aggravating. And I, yeah, I, I said before, I've I've got so frustrated with it over the past few years, and I'm I, I personally I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, no, couldn't
0: agree more. Couldn't agree more. um so, anything else in particular caught your eye? Anything on the on on, on the pitch, perhaps, outside of timekeeping?
1: <laughs> well, go. So, I, I was actually chatting to a friend last night, right before the Brazil game, um, and was saying there just haven't been enough screamers this this tournament. Mm. And then Richardson goes and does that. Um, what a goal! Goal of the yeah. tournament so far. I want to give a shout out to the second Saudi Arabia goal as well. Aldassari, mm. I think it was. Um, it was yeah. Really, really. so i think that the lead up to him still being in possession of the ball in that position was quite poor defensively from argentina Mm. but the actual goal he just did them all and curled it top bins there's there's not a lot you can do to stop that um was great that as a as a game actually big upset with them being the favorites really them being Mm. most people's favorites um messi scoring the penalty early on um didn't didn't (laughs) didn't end how he'd have wanted it to Yeah. yeah um People yeah, well,
0: remember from uh, my preview that Al Al-Sari was my uh, player to watch for Saudi Arabia. So another another <laughs> yeah, brilliant call else. from Zach Palmer. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you? What's what's caught your eye?
0: Yeah. For me, um, the thing that's caught my eye the most actually is not necessarily something specific, but something that I'm generally seeing as a bit of a trend across the tournament. That's out of possession structures. So we're seeing a lot of teams set up really smartly in mid blocks which is causing their opposition so many problems it's quite an interesting change from the sort of low block approach that we're used to seeing at international tournaments so i think that's quite an interesting change right and the first place that i really noticed it was in the usa wales game in that first half wales clearly wanted to try and get in behind the us that's why they started dan james over Kiefer moore and they thought that the USA would press high and open up some space in behind. But the US actually sat in this really, really nice mid-block and just sort of said to the Wales back three, you know, go on then, have the ball and try and play through us. Um, but at the same time, the US were cutting off the passing lanes into midfield, so Wales couldn't really do anything. So they were forced out wide to the to the wing backs, which was then the US pressing trigger to then go and uh, go and press in a, in a pack, and it's sort of actually quite similar to a sort of the Red Bull kind of style of uh, of pressing and you know that that's actually how they ended up scoring it' was a it was a counter press on the wing which then led to a quick transition and then a great a really great finish from uh wasn't it um, and then yeah so I, I thought the US were really really good that half but you know fair play to Wales for changing it in the second half they brought on more and then just went more direct but that first half was a really great was the was the start of this kind of mid-block approach that I seen in the tournament, you saw the same thing in that Saudi Arabia game um, Argentina had this sort of in-possession structure of like a 4-2-4 and just sort of vacated the midfield and could not progress the ball through the centre of the pitch at all and Saudi had kind of compacted that centre of the puck which then forced Argentina round the outside so they just kept giving the ball to Di Maria on the right hand side and he had acres to run into because the Saudis were playing this really high line and compressing the pitch masterfully but All Di Maria wanted to keep doing was cutting back inside onto his left foot. It was just... That front four was bizarre to me. From right to left, they had Di Maria, Messi, and then Martinez and Gomez. But Di Maria and Messi, both playing on the right-hand side of that front four, both wanting to play in the same areas, whilst there was acres in behind the Saudi high line. You need somebody that's willing to run in behind there, not two players that want to pick up the ball in the half space and then cut inside. Di Maria kept getting the ball with acres in front of him and just kept cutting back inside and then losing the ball also needed to get Messi into deeper positions as well to try and actually transition it was a really really strange setup from Argentina actually not something I've really seen them do before this tournament and they should have they should have still won the game despite it but yeah I, I thought that was really disappointing but yeah it was Saudi Saudi Arabia's out of possession approach which caused so many problems same with Tunisia and Japan both pressed really well in midfield areas and then Japan also just decided in the second half, the second half, the second half to just bring on all their good players, which helped a lot as well. I don't understand why none of Minamino, Doan, Asano, Mitoma and Tomiyasu started. Surely these players are good enough to start, but I think probably it was a, uh, a tactical thing because they started in more of a four four two block, which is different to what they usually do. So that was good. But um, again, it was that midfield pressing in the second half that really helped. Same story with Morocco against um, Croatia Sat off in a mid-block, man-marked um, Modric, Kovacic and Brozovic in the midfield areas. So Croatia just couldn't progress the ball. They were really good in deep areas, but couldn't get out into through the midfield and then into the final third and just had absolutely no creativity. Another nil-nil there, but a really great um, out-of-possession structure from Moko. So yeah, these are uh, sort of aggressive mid-blocks, are the new trend away from the sort of low blocks that we're used to seeing in uh, international football, and I think it's just been really fun to see something different Um, and you don't tend to see such smart pressing from well actually any international team teams at all really but let alone these so-called sort of lesser nations and it's really fun to see a really smart approach actually being the reason that these teams are getting shock results you know although you could argue that you know germany argentina maybe did enough to win their games or not lose their games at least it was the result of what Saudi Arabia and Japan were doing out of possession that caused them to really struggle and I think that was really fun to see so yeah that's kind of that's that's kind of what I've uh that's what's caught my eye
1: yeah ironically I think Serbia could probably have done with that last night mm. against Brazil I, th- I looked at that Brazil lineup and thought they've got Richarlison up front um Vinicius, Neymar, Rafinha in behind mm. Lucas Pequeta is a very very attacking midfielder yeah, double pivot yeah <laughs> yeah, and then Casemiro, obviously, but that, yeah. that's that's five attacking players, really. Mm. You, you kind of obviously there's there's creativity within those players, but Rafinha, Neymar, Vinicius are very direct players. Mm. Um, and I mean, they obviously did well and, and won the game quite convincingly. Um, Serbia didn't really have a sniff, but yeah, that maybe that's something they'll take into future games.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought Serbia were the first time that we really saw a low block. Well, not the first time, but an effective low block. I actually thought they were okay. I, we'll talk about it a little bit in the next section, but I thought I actually thought Brazil were quite disappointing. But yeah, it was definitely they definitely probably should have been a little bit more aggressive because I do think that in those midfield areas, Brazil were there to get to to sort of be got at. But yeah, alas, wasn't to be. Wasn't to be. So now that the first round of games is done How do you feel about how The favourites Have done so far Who's looked good Who's let themselves down a bit
1: Yeah so I, I kind of mentioned it Earlier on talking about England But only really England and Spain Have Not lived up to expectations But really stood stood out as mm. Not struggled at all um, Belgium won but they didn't really they deserve awful. it um there, there was an appalling appalling officiating decision mm-hmm. there to call a canadian player offside despite hazard seemingly passing the ball backwards to him yeah um there was i mean it, they poor again poor match management from um argentina letting alfonso davies take the penalty when you had david david from canada for the, yeah Oh, yes yeah 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 but as in as in sorry as in that they that I meaning that is the really if they'd have put him on if they'd have put the penalty taker who scored nine of his last twelve um penalties on the spot, Belgium would have been a goal down that, as in yeah it wasn't it wasn't due to Belgium <clears throat> that they didn't concede there mm. um anyway, they they looked poor throughout the game, um Germany lost hilariously as always mm-hmm. um. Argentina lost. Uh even well you you I think you wanted to touch on Brazil a little bit.
0: Yeah, um so yeah, first of all I'll just close off those ones. Yeah, I thought Belgium were awful <clears throat> and really lucky to get out of that game um with the win. They they'll get out their group, but I I can't see them going very far. Argentina I think will be fine. I just think they just didn't take advantage of all that space that Saudi Arabia were leaving and then just the game state changed once Saudi Arabia equalised and they just couldn't get a grip back in the game. Yeah, Germany Germany, I thought were actually pretty good but um, once Japan actually started playing against them rather than just being quite passive, they, they sort of seemed to crumble a bit and that substitute to take off Gundawan was really strange as well because I thought he was having an excellent game. So that was really bizarre. But... Um, yeah, in terms of Brazil, I was um, I was a bit disappointed. I thought Serbia were incredibly passive, so it was di- difficult to break them down. I did think Serbia defended fairly well, but just watching Brazil, it just felt like, get the ball to one of Neymar Rafinha. Um, it was Vinicius Junior that started, wasn't it? Um, and then they would just run until they lose the ball rather than actually any sort of smart interplay or anything. It, it just felt a lot like moments players hoping to create a moment. I thought Neymar was awful. I thought he was really poor and that first goal came from him stupidly running into the space that Vinicius Jr was stood in that you could have just passed the ball to him. He basically over, like took a poor touch so then Vinicius Jr just decided I'm just going to hit this and then Richarlison obviously finished the rebound fairly well and then hit Richarlison's second goal was really really good. Um but yeah, I just I didn't see any particularly smart interplays from Brazil. They've got a really, really great squad, but they don't seem to have any sort of system, to be honest with you. And I think if, as we sort of mentioned, if Serbia had been a little bit more proactive in those midfield areas and tried to shut off some of where those moves were starting from, I think they might have struggled a bit more. And I think they will struggle against better sides. Switzerland and Cameroon are the others uh, in their group. And so, you know, that game was... uh, was was an interesting one, I think both teams looked okay, so I do think that Brazil will struggle a little bit more against um, yeah. those sides who are maybe going to be a little bit more proactive and I do think that you'd watch that game as one of Switzerland or Cameroon and think there's maybe an opportunity actually here to to get at Brazil you've kind of just got a you can afford to double up on the player that has the ball because you know they're not going to pass to somebody else I mean, I'm not sure Neymar played one pass, I mm-hmm it's just a bit of a shame such great players but no kind kind of um system in place at all yeah. so i was a bit disappointed by yeah. them
1: um they do then yeah, yeah sorry. sorry no i was going to say there they do go. feel very very much like have you ever come across the um the the picture of a football pitch by lee johnson describing the different mm. zones yeah. where with his pomo and his um uh what is it uh Oh, the, uh, corridor of opportunity, or whatever. Sure, but yeah. it very anyway that he has the like the curved bit round the sort of the, mm. the with the D being the top of it is described as the area of individual brilliance. It does feel <laughs> a bit like Lee Johnson yeah. sent them out and gone get it in there. there there's yeah. no like there isn't yeah. There's no structure.
0: Yeah, it, it it absolutely did feel a lot like that. And I think they they have the players where I think it will work more often than not. But I do think that they'll they'll struggle if they come up against. Uh, more well-organised team that is maybe going to actually force them to to play a bit more. But yeah, them aside, I think the most disappointing were Belgium, who I, I have no idea what Martinez is trying to do with that side. He's got some really great talent and it, he re- that really does just feel like he's gone, yeah, we'll just sort of play broadly a, a, a 3-4-3 lads and uh, yeah, best of luck. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't understand it. They were really lucky to get to get that result and they really have wasted that generation of really, really talented players, so... Yeah.
1: No, I, I said at the time, and, I, and by, I don't really know how he got that role. It wasn't mm. like he came off a really successful period, and they went, more Also, yeah, how has he kept you. it? Yeah! He's not... He's on multiple tournaments now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cra- crazy to me. So disappointing. Like, the perennial under-performers, under but mm. pff, this is worse than I've ever seen them. They don't look like they'll offer anything, um, Spain were pretty good though weren't they?
1: Yeah, they were oh, wow, they were um, I, surprised me a bit actually,
0: how, Yeah, they, how efficient they were in front of goal
1: and I think people have been saying like, are Costa Rica poor, Costa Rica weren't good obviously, mm. but actually Spain were amazing, this was a game that I turned on, uh, really excited mm. to watch Lewis and Bennett play um, <laughs> he got about 2-3 t- touches on the ball the whole game. Lewis and Bennett
0: um, who plays for Sunderland by the way, uh, cow's cow's team
1: Youngest... For those um, that don't know. (laughs) Who wouldn't know he's a world star? Um, (laughs) Youngest Costa Rica player in history. Um, Youngest Costa Rica player to start the World Cup. I believe youngest player at the World Cup. Um, Is he? I think so. I could be wrong on that. Certainly youngest starter. So he was youngest starter so far, 18. Um,
0: Oh, the um, Australian lad might be younger. Is it Moy or something like that? Not Aaron Moy. (laughs) No. Oh, no, not Aaron Moy. Uh, What's the... (laughs) Yeah, no, he's really old. Um he's lost his hair early. He's a sprightly young age of sixteen, I think, Aaron Uh no, the um is it Qual? Sorry, K U O L Qual. How old is he? Uh no, he's eighteen as well, so actually maybe not. Anyway, normally <laughs> that was a completely useless tangent to go on.
1: Anyway, he's one of the youngest players at the World Cup. Mm. Um and he actually, to be fair, well, Look he got like three touches. He was, was
0: awful quarter. Callum. He, was, uh, he, he created <laughs> a chance. That's more than
1: anyone else on the Costa Rica side did. Hundred oh percent dribble God. success rate, hundred percent pass. I saw him rate. get
0: tackled. I and, saw him uh, get tackled. Two
1: out of two and one out of one according to some stats somewhere. Opta um,
0: opta in the mud.
1: Anyway, um Spain looked I, I turned on wanting to see him mm. on the ball. They cost I didn't see anyone from Costa Rica no. on the ball. Spall, Spain Spain looked really, really good. Um it was interesting that they set up without a natural nine um with Morata on the bench especially given I would actually say he had quite a good tournament last time round. um I think I remember I can't remember exactly but we seem to remember us both being quite impressed by him um Mm. he so yeah they they just and they they didn't lack that they were really really creative they were really positive they were really fast um Mm. they were very it wasn't it wasn't your traditional Spain slow-passing build-up. There was some very, very good passing, but it was there were some really, really fast moves that just got the ball into areas, dragged um, a couple of the Costa Rica players out of position, and they just had absolutely no idea how to cope with them. I mm. think it was Costa Rica... I mean, Costa Rica weren't good, but it was a case of them being made to look even worse by how good Spain were.
0: Yeah, I, there, there was still an element, I think, of like Spain passing the opposition to death a bit, but they mm. definitely were more effective at picking those moments to play quick. And what always impresses me is even at three, four, five, six nil, 5, um, they were still not being overly risky. The temptation would be is like Ferran Torres or um, Pedri or Gabby or whatever, you'd sort of think, well, they're here for the taking, so I'm just going to try and take a man on and I'll try and create something and do something flashy they're so disciplined in terms of just actually, no, I will play the easy pass. I'll play the way I'm facing all the basics and just, they move the opposition around so much. And then it just, then they just pick that moment when it's like, Oh, you don't even realize you've left a gap, but you've left a gap and now we're in. And I I was really impressed with how clinical they were in that, um, that fluid front three seemed to work well, obviously again, with all the caveats that it's Costa Rica and wait and see what they're like against maybe a better side, but yeah they they look really good they they're the only team that genuinely look as good as a club side would in terms of how they how they play um and they're gonna they'll dominate the ball against every single team they play and what, what do they have like over a thousand passes or something wasn't it um, yeah they
1: i think it was nine hundred and seventy one completed and, and right, it was okay, only, yeah. it was, 1,049 yeah, it was like like a thousand and forty nine attempted like ninety three percent or something yeah, yeah incredible
0: insanely good to do that it against was, against any team. But
1: I read an interesting stat, it was more than uh, Wickham completed in the month of October. I don't know how no. that appeared on my feed, but I really enjoyed that. Good old
0: Wickham. <laughs> uh, Akinfenwa are not doing enough, clearly. Um, no, he's retired. Has he, he, he gone now? Yeah, yeah, his, yeah his last game enough. was
1: losing at Wembley, that was fun.
0: Uh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, right, yeah, so I think that's probably everything from other teams. Is there anything else you want to you want to mention from the
1: other games? I don't think so. That that's covered all that I no. wanted to talk
0: about. No, so I think I think it's probably fair to say that England, Spain looked the most compelling of the teams so far. Definitely put us in the running. I think uh, mm-hmm. we haven't spoken about the Netherlands actually, which I think is worth saying. I thought they were quite disappointing as well actually, but managed to get the result. And I think interested to see whether they can improve from there, particularly if they can get Depay fit enough to start because I think he was a big loss. Um, mm-hmm. They'll still be a contender, but yeah. yeah, definitely England and Spain looking the most uh, composed. So that's a good sign, and I'm looking forward mm. to the next
1: round of games. Absolutely. I, I am, if, if it's Jermaine Janus on commentary again, I am <laughs> watching it on an American channel, because even an American commentating over an American game is going to be less
0: unbearable.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> it is It is incredible how critical he is of other players, given <laughs> that everybody watching him has seen him play football. <laughs> I, it just... It is mental that he can be as harsh as he is, knowing full well that he was an awful football player. Mm. Um, Yeah, I can't stand some of the commentary at this World Cup, but that's always the way it goes, isn't it? We'll wrap things up here then. Mm. Do you want to hit us with the, the socials and stuff so people can follow us if they don't already? So, get us on
1: social media. We are at EAFC underscore podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, We are everyone's a football critic podcast. Oh no, just everyone's a football critic on Facebook. You can find if you found the podcast you like to listen to, you will be able to find links to all of the other platforms we're on. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can also go and listen to us on Apple Podcasts if that's what you prefer. We are on Mm. a, a whole multitude of different places. We are everywhere you cannot miss us (laughs) Um, right
0: all that's left to say then is thank you and goodbye Callum and I'll see you next week after another busy busy week of games absolutely see you then bye